Okay, as we get started today, the theme for this Advent message is love. So I just want to open it up, and if I have the sentence, love is, how would you complete that sentence? So Andy, let me put you on the spot. How would you, what would you say? Love is an action. Tiffany, what would you say? Um, Better be good. Better be good. (laughs) God. I thought you might say Andy, but that's good. Yeah, it's good. It's like... Hey, he told me I was <laughs> Todd Edwards, where are you at? Todd, what would you say love is? Never had a space <laughs> Love is never... <laughs> well, that could be a movie. Pretty bad one, but it could be a movie. Okay. All of us, especially as you approach Christmas Sunday, next Sunday, and you think about what love is, we all have Christmas traditions and memories And probably all of us would look at love just a little bit differently. So we're going to look at God's Word. And if you want to take your scriptures, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and just hold that. And we're going to get into what motivates us. I love the idea. Tiffany's right. Love is an action. It's for us to move forward. It's all about God. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we surrender everything to you because you've surrendered everything for us. And Lord, as we approach this Christmas season and now just a week away, Uh, Boy, we know that kids can't sleep. They can't wait to get out of school. We know that uh, parents and grandparents are exhausted. But Lord, I just pray for these few moments that we just completely focus on you and your love for us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Love. Man, what would you really say uh, about love and God's love for us? Charles Schultz, the creator and I think uh, genius cartoonist who developed peanuts, and Charlie Brown and Snoopy and the gang said this, all you need is love, but a little chocolate now and then doesn't matter. Doesn't hurt. Does that, is that good? Plato, the great philosopher, said, a touch of love and everyone becomes a poet. Now, love is so profound that really, the only way that it can really come to life is through music. And I don't know about you, but I don't think there's anything more inspiring than these touching lyrics that are all written by country western artists about love. And I want to just share a couple of them with you that, that uh, touch my heart. Timber, I'm falling in love. Oh, that's rich. Okay, here's one. Uh, this one's not quite Bob Dylan depth, but it's close. If love were oil, I'd be a court low. Oh, that's deep. Okay. And then here's some rock and roll some rock and roll to help us define love. Pat Benatar said that love is a battlefield. Stevie Wonder uh, just called to say I love you. Justin Bieber said just love yourself. Phil Collins is just having a groovy kind of love. And then if you're really having a hard, broken heart season of your life, remember these inspiring words from Bon Jovi. Straight to the heart and you're to blame. You give love a bad name. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that would be a great Christmas card, am I right, huh? I think we'd all agree that love is hard to comprehend. Matter of fact, when I was a teenager, and I'm sure you had the same conversations with your parents, I remember saying, Mom, um, how do you know when you find the one? I mean, how do you know when you're really in love? And she gave the universal answer. You know what the universal answer is? Oh, you just know. Well, I had my heart broke a lot, and I never really quite got it. I mean, I literally got Dear John letters. You know what I'm saying? So love isn't always kind. Would you agree? Love is complicated. I think we all know that. 
But we need to keep striving with everything in us to find what true love is all about. I heard this very touching story about a couple that had been married 50 years, and they received some uh, terrible news about uh, the wife's health. And so she was in the bed there in, the, in their home, and their husband came up, and he sat beside her, and he held her hand. And she said, you know, honey, the thing that I love most about these 50 years that I've spent with you is we've had no secrets between us. And he says, I think that's amazing. She said, but I have kept a big secret from you, and I just need to let you know. And he said, well, okay. She said, you know, there's that shoebox there in the closet, and it says, do not open. He said, yeah. Have you ever opened that? And he goes, no, no. You said, do not open. I've never opened it. She goes, I'd like you to go get the shoebox. So he gets the shoebox, and she said, now open it up, opens it up. There's two beautiful crocheted dolls and $90,000 in cash, all hundreds. He goes, whoa, what is this? She goes, well, my grandma, years ago, when I first got married, said, never get angry and speak angry words to your husband. So when you're angry, you just crochet a little doll. She showed her how to do it. And he nearly started crying. He goes, I can't believe it. Only two crocheted dolls. You mean we've only argued twice? You've only been mad at me twice? And she said, no, no. He goes, well, what's the $90,000? She said, well, every time I got mad, I sold one of those dolls. <laughs> I don't know if that's love, but that old boy's going to live well. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now, here's the thing that's difficult about love. In our language, in the English language, honestly, we have watered down the word love. Now, think about this. In the same sentence, you can say, I love my mother comma, and I love Mother Bear Pizza, in the same sense. Now, seriously, the love of the woman who brought you into this world and extra cheese and pepperoni, are you kidding me? <laughs> but if you think about it, that's exactly what we've done with that word love. We just water it down to where, honestly, I don't think we truly understand the kind of love that's right here. This is what I love about the framework of God's word according to love. There are, in the Greek language, there's at least three dominant words that describe love. The first is phileia or philos, some pronounce, and it's where we get the term Philadelphia, it's where the city is named, and that is brotherly love. The other one is eros, and eros is romantic love. And then, of course, the deepest of all loves is what? Anybody? Agape love. The candle that was lit today, that's about agape love. It's unconditional, no strings attached, God's kind of love for us. And his mission is that because he loved us that way, that we would in turn love others that way, that we would forgive others that way, because that's the love that God has for us. It's agape love. So this morning, I want to look at two outcomes of being compelled by that love by Christ's love. And if you've got your scriptures, first of all, remember this, that Christ's love compels us to walk away from the old ways, from our old sinful nature. Follow with me, starting in verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord, and we try to persuade others what we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. 
We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen, I love that, rather than what is in the heart. If we are, I love this, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is from God. If we are in the right mind, it's for you. Now let's read verse 14 together. For Christ love compels us because we are convinced that the one died for all and therefore all died. Now, let me just pause there and let that sink in. Now, Paul, if you remember, he wrote 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians is, boy, it's, a, it's an intense book because Corneth and the church is dealing with so much. And he's taking this life in Jesus Christ, and he's saying, now, you need to apply the life and the principles of Jesus to your everyday life. It will control the way you spend your money, the way that you live your life out with others, the way that you love one another. Everything in your life now changes because you're pursuing Jesus, and you're going to do it the way that Jesus did it. And then he waited a while, and you can only imagine as they tried to work through this, and then he wrote 2 Corinthians, and he's a little softer in 2 Corinthians, but he's, he's following up saying, listen, I want you to know it's not about us, but people are saying, and you're hearing it, you guys are crazy. Now, why? Because you're loving like Jesus. You're forgiving others. You're giving others second chances. You are living in a way polar opposite from culture. Does that sound familiar? Because that's the challenge for everyone here today that we would love like Christ. Matter of fact, I love that word in verse 14. It's that word compel, what compels me. That word means to hold fast. In other words, it is the foundation of everything you do, that you are compelled and you are motivated to get beyond who you were. Now think about the power of that. Our past failures, past regrets, mistakes, our sinful nature, our fears, we can move out of our old nature into the light of Jesus Christ. And that's all of us sitting here today. All of us have memories of our past that we wish we could just erase. All of us have regrets in our life. Every human being has those. All of us have conversations that we wish we could take back, words that we wish we could just bring back. When I was a snot-nosed, obnoxious junior high kid, uh, we lived in this little bitty uh, home, little bitty two-bedroom house, and I'm not exaggerating, it was, the, it was a rundown house, and the entire neighborhood behind me were all these homes on this lake. So needless to say, our home did not match all the other homes in the area. And I remember being outside, and I got in an argument with my mom, and I said, why do we have to live in this dump? And as soon as it rolled out of my mouth, I saw this look on my mom's face. Now, my mom's from Tennessee. Two options. She would either beat me. I know that's not politically correct, but that's pretty much what she did. Or it would crush her. And I wish she would have taken a switch out. I don't know if any of you have ever got a switching. I don't know if that's politically correct. <laughs> but my mom didn't pay attention to those political drills. You know, I, I got my switching, and I remember wanting her to switch me. I'm like, please, because I knew it hurt her. We all have words. We all have sentences that come out. We all have things that we've done, and it, it can crush our spirits. And he says, here's the awesome news. God loves you so much. He died for who? Everyone. 
You don't have to live in your old ways. You don't have to be um, battling your old nature. I love the words by C.K. Chesterton. The more I considered Christianity, the more that I found that a while it had established a rule and order in my life. But the chief aim of that rule and that order was to give room for good things to run wild. Don't you love that? That God got in his life. And he said, when I came to Jesus Christ, at first I thought it was just a bunch of rules and order. But the more I pursued Jesus Christ, I realized what God was doing was creating space in my life so that I could run wild doing good things. That's what the love of Jesus Christ will do. It will free you up like nothing else. It is a reconciliation project. It is a restoration project because Jesus is in the restoration business. Don't you love that? See, when we have a difficulty forgiving others, when we struggle sometimes, we need to step back sometimes and remember how far we've come and think what life was like before Christ. You remember your life before Christ? Well, I remember mine. And I'm so thankful that Jesus is in the reconciliation business. I'll tell you who I admire in life. I admire people who can restore things. I love people. I've got good friends who've restored uh, furniture, good friends who have restored cars, and even uh, restored homes. And I admire that because I can't do those things. I was in the restore the other day. Have you ever been in the restore? You've been in there? There's a look as I walked around. Uh, there's a look in people's eyes at the restore, and it is purpose. They're looking at it. They're not seeing things like everybody else. They're seeing something that's already repaired. They're seeing a door that somebody else threw out that's going to be perfect for what they're going to be doing, and I love that look. But it's, it's that look that says, somebody else said it's worthless, but I know it could potentially be priceless, and that's what Jesus Christ does for all of us. That's what drives us. That's what compels us that we can walk away from our sinful nature. Debbie Baker, who attends here, um, is, is an amazing Bible teacher. And Tobin Wingard is uh, one of our elders here and a physical therapist. And I ask, I remember hearing a lesson, and I talked to Tobin about this, that if you break a bone, what's amazing is that if that bone is set properly, and then you go through the physical therapy. In other words, you listen to what the doctor tells you to do, that that bone and that break will actually be stronger than it was originally. I read this a while back, and I, I did some research, and I love this. It's a book. Uh, as you're looking at Christmas, you can get this on Amazon for next to nothing. And it's called Fearfully and Wonderfully Made. And it's Philip Yancey and Dr. Paul Brand. And I, I got to share with you their words about this whole idea of restoration. When a bone breaks, there is an elaborate process that begins, excited to repair all the cells that invade in a swarm. Within two weeks, a cartilage-like seat is called callus. It surrounds the region, and it's a cement-laying cells that enter in a jellied mass. And these cells are osteoblasts. They are the pothole fillers of the bone. Gradually, they break down the callus, and they replace it with fresh bone. In two or three months, that fracture site is marked 
by a mass of new bone that bulges over both sides of the broken ends like a spliced garden hose. Later, surplus material is scavenged and the final result matches the original bone. Fearfully, wonderfully made. We are built to restore ourselves, to heal ourselves, but Jesus Christ can heal our hearts. And you know what I love about that? Because our motivation is love and not guilt. I love this quote by Kathy Gazwhite, and here's what she said. Food, love, career, and mothers, the four major guilt groups. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> All of us have gone on guilt trips. How many of you have been on a guilt trip? That's a pretty expensive ticket, isn't it? Now, here's the thing about guilt trips, and I can't speak for anyone else, but I can tell you what I've gone through. When I do things out of guilt, I'll do them, usually for a short time. But here's how I know the difference of being motivated by guilt and motivated by love. When I get home, after I've done something where I've been motivated by guilt, I am exhausted. And to be honest with you, I get frustrated. And I get mad at myself. You ever done this? Why did I say yes? And Marie and I have had this conversation more than once. John, you don't have to say yes. You, you, you can say no. Well, if I say no, I feel what? Guilty. I tell you, a minister never lays his head on the pillow at night that he doesn't feel guilty about something. It's just in our nature to feel guilty. And when you're motivated by guilt, you can almost get bitter. But here's the thing when you're motivated by love. When you're motivated by love and you come home after something, a project, or you've helped someone, how do you feel? Man, you're energized. And you are so full of God's spirit. So God is saying, hey, if you want to be motivated, if you really want to excel at something, learn to start doing things not out of guilt, learn to start doing things out of love. And here's what he says there, and I love that phrase is, you know, some people say we're crazy, and if you're living your life in, out in Christ, you will be crazy, starting with your finances. Here's a word you're not supposed to mention in church, tithing. Let me tell you, if you've never done that and you take on tithing, it will scare you to death because the numbers never add up. But you give God the very first 10%, you say, God, uh, I'm giving this to you, and you know what happens? You, you get to the end of the month, you're like, how did we survive? How did God take care of us? It's because you stepped out and you were compelled in love and you do crazy things. I don't know if you heard the news. USA Today covered this because it was mind-boggling. North Point Community Church, a huge church down in Atlanta led by Andy Stanley, for years have a thing on one Sunday, they call it Be Rich. And their whole idea is if you want to be rich, give it away. So they challenge everybody to be a part of this. doesn't matter your age, just be a part of this. You can bring cash or your credit card. They challenge everybody to give $39.95. You know, all those info commercials, they're like $39. So they, they have pictures of it. I've seen video. It's amazing. You'll see all these people, and they have their iPads and a, and a helium balloon, and people are coming over right after church, and zip, zip, they just start swiping it. And again, they give away 100% of it. Now, they've been doing this for 20 years. Churches started joining them. 20 churches in the area joined them. This year, they raised $4.8 million. And they gave 100% away to 170 community agencies. Now, if you want to 
If you want a tearjerker over Christmas, just watch the video when they take these big checks to these, to these amazing community agencies. They have no idea the money's coming. And they'll walk in, they'll say, for example, a food bank, and they'll say, um, how much money do you think it would take for the food bank to run for, let's say, a year? And they'll go, oh, that's an astronomical figure. And they'll share the figure and go, well, that's funny, because here's a check, you know? And they'll start bawling, and I'm like, you know, wow. That's what Christians do. They just step up, and they do crazy stuff. Why? Because they're motivated by love. What kind of love? The love of Christ. I want to share with you something that's going to, again, that's going to happen in 2017. So I'd like Rosalie and Hannah just to come up for a minute. We'll let you guys to share. Um, I know what it's like the week before Christmas. I mean, you're, right now, your minds aren't even here. You're focused on uh, all the gifts that you haven't purchased. Uh, I had a, a nephew that used to sell stuff in the mall, and he said, you should see men at Christmas Eve. He said, they would walk up to my kiosk, and they wouldn't even ask me what I was selling. They just said, give me five of it. Why? Because that's the way we're wired, okay? But I want us to think about 2017 and get beyond that. So if you guys will just come up, let me move this for you. And there's an event coming up, and we just want to highlight it one more time. Because this event, I think, is motivated by love. So, Rosalie, can you share with everybody again uh, what's coming up in February for all of us to get involved with? Oh, yes. Hi. Um, I guess, what, was it about a month ago, maybe, we, we um, were up here with Hannah in her prom dress getting ready for the Night to Shine prom, which will be on February 10th. And it is a prom for people with special needs um, age 14 and up doesn't matter how old they are, um, but anyway, they have to be at least 14 and up. And Hannah's planning to go and is excited about it, right? Yep. <laughs> She's a little shy today, but um, anyway, we need all kinds of things to help out with this. Um, but the main purpose of the event is to show the love of God to people with special needs. Um, the, the event is all about them, about um, what special people they are, they are all kings and queens in the eyes of God. And um, so the event is all about helping them to feel that for that night and hopefully take that message home with them. And what's the most practical thing leading up to January 10th that we can do as a congregation? Okay. We, um, we need donations. Um, not so much money, although you can do that, and then we'll turn around and purchase things that we don't have. But we need um, silk flowers. Is, is one big need, particularly smaller sizes that can be used in corsages or boutonnieres. Um, on January 14th, my sister and I are going to host a, um, a corsage and boutonniere making party. We kind of saw it as a ladies' event, but you guys are also welcome, too. Oh, we'd love but, to be there. Uh, yeah. You want to come? Yeah. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> Elaine has been a florist for many, many years, and so yeah. she knows all about making these, and she'll teach us, so you don't need any special skills, but we do need the flowers for it. So... Um, any kind of silk flowers that you can come up with. And then what I'll do, I'll have a list in the back. If you would like to sign up, you can um, just put your name and email on there. I'll send you a list of things that we need, ways you can get involved. Um, we do need volunteers, lots of helpers. Each person, um, the people with special needs, we call them honored guests, they'll be paired up one-on-one -on -one with a person, um, a buddy for the night. So we need buddies. We need people to help with serving food, 
um, manning the different areas, need lots of volunteers. We also, if you know anyone with special needs, we, um, we don't have very many people signed up yet. And everybody we talk to about says, oh, you'll fill that number in no time. Our, our number is 150 honored guests, but we, have, we don't have very many signed up. So if you know anybody, be sure that they get signed up so they can attend. Um, I see, we also need decorations. Our colors are white and black and um, kind of a sky blue, turquoise blue. So if you see anything, um, you know, snowflakes or any other white kind of decorations with at, at Christmas um, clearance, whatever, pick them up, bring them in. I've got a bin in the back, you can drop them in. Um, so those are a few things awesome. initially that we really need. We so. just wanted to plant the seed again as we talk about love. What an amazing way for us to work with the community to show love, and, and that is this night to shine on February 10th. Let's give Rosalia and Hannah a huge hand. Now here's the other thing that I love about the love of Christ, that it compels us to walk in a new way of life. You can walk out of your old, but you can walk into a new 2 Corinthians 5.17. I would love for us to read this verse together. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Wow. Think about that. That when you give your life to Christ, you are compelled to walk in a new way. Ezekiel 36.26 says this. I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from your heart of stone, and I will give you a heart of flesh. That you can walk away from where you were in your life. No matter how far you ran away from God, God is saying, come on home. And when you come home, he said, I want to give you something. And what he gives us, which is amazing, he gives us a new heart. It doesn't matter. What I love about this, it doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your race doesn't matter where you live. It's all about coming to Jesus Christ and let his love compel you to live a new life. A while back, I read this, and it just uh, it really moved me. Her name is Jenny uh, Steppen. Uh, Jenny had something happen in 2006. Her dad was involved uh, and was robbed and then was shot. They rushed him to the hospital, and then in less than a week, he died. You can only imagine what that did to her and her entire family. And uh, their hearts were broken beyond measure. She was so close to her dad. But he had a little something on his driver's license. You probably know what I'm talking about. He was an organ donor. And there was an older gentleman who for 10 years was on basically the waiting list. His name was Tom Thomas. And uh, he said he was not going to make it to year 11. And he received the heart. Well, he stayed in touch. He, occasionally, they wrote back and forth. And uh, Tom had a new lease on life. And a crazy thing happened, Jenny. Ten years later, 2016, was engaged. And she went to her mom and she said, Mom, I want to ask you something. She said, what? She said, I, I have an idea who I'd like to walk me down the aisle. And her mom said, well, who would that be? And she said... Mr. Thomas, because you know he's got dad's heart. She had never met him. So when she wrote him, 
You can only imagine his response. So that day when he showed up and he went to see Jenny and he wrapped his arms around her, she thanked him. I, she goes, I can't thank you enough for taking time to be here. And uh, he said, are you kidding me? You're thanking me? I'm alive today because of your dad. And then she did the most beautiful thing I think I've ever seen a bride do. She reached her hand out and she just touched his heart. And he walked her down the aisle. Now that's crazy. And that's how Jesus works. No matter how far you've run from God, he said, hey, I love you so much. I will give you the one thing you can't give yourself. I will give you a new heart. You may have a heart that you think is stone, but I will give you a heart of flesh. I will give you a heart like my son's heart, and you will live life like you've never lived life before. I don't know where some of you are at this morning. I know Christmas is, uh, is an amazing time of the year for so many, and for others it, it honestly is miserable because it's so difficult with the memories. But I know that God can do this. He can give you a new heart.